He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. If you say nothing else about Jesus, you have to say that he knows how to make an entrance. I mean, if you read a little further on, these men are in a, in a room, they're praying, they're scared, they're locked away. There's no sermon, there's no long, long theological diatribe on the historical and religious ramifications of the fulfillment of the Old Testament and the resurrection. Matthew tells us that James meets them with a greetings. Today he just said, hey, how's it going? And that's all he had to say. And they dive at his feet and they clasp his feet. Their church clothes ruined. Their Easter shoes are scuffed. The makeup ladies is just smeared from tears of joy, pride, position, knowledge, out the door. Fear of public opinion. Fear of losing their lives vanished. Matthew captures their response, what the lady said, and probably was the same response as Jesus showed up to the, to the um, disciples later. And guess it one verse earlier. He says they were afraid and filled with joy. What an interesting combination, afraid and filled with joy. You kind of get the picture of them being on the edge, like in a jump scare movie where you're waiting for something to happen. Or maybe it's a little less announced, like when you see these videos of a soldier who's come home and surprises their mom or their, their dad, their, their husband or wife or their children. And that person turns around and sees the face of their soldier, someone they never expected to see. Here these ladies are, and here these disciples are, and they're seeing someone who is a dead man. Not someone they ever expected to see again. It says they saw him and they grasped his feet. Everything they had seen and heard for the last three years finally starts to make sense. I mean, Jesus came and these, these teachings that he did and miracles and proclamations of who he was and who he is and that he's a king. And why come and teach and do all this if the end game is to die on a cross? What was the point of that? And all of a sudden now they see Jesus face to face and the teachings, the miracles, the proclamations, it all starts to click. It starts to come together. John Whale is an author. He says, the Gospels do not explain the resurrection. The resurrection explains the Gospels. Belief in the resurrection is not an appendage to the Christian faith. It is the Christian faith. The resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. What we celebrate today changed everything. Even death itself. We see Jesus raising from the dead, and it's not just a one-time uh, isolated event. It was the one-time victory that covered all of time for everyone who's in Christ. Death is no longer a place of fear. Death is a mere short hallway to the presence of God. Clarence Hall wrote, the resurrection of Jesus changes the face 
of death for all his people. Death is no longer a prison, but a passage into God's presence. Easter says that you can put truth in a grave, but it won't stay there. We can celebrate the resurrection today because Jesus overcame death and he is our life. Secondly, we can celebrate what Easter means to us. It means we have new and eternal life. We have new and eternal life. One of the apostles makes this clear over and over again in his book, the book of John. John 3, 16, he writes, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Again, in John 11, John records Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. A third time, John writes what he hears firsthand from the mouth of Christ when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Have you ever been somewhere or gotten in somewhere based on who someone else was? Not based on you, but based on their invitation. A few years ago, someone here from Spring Lake called me and said, Hey, I've got tickets. Would you like to go to a Packer game? I didn't even have to pray about it. Yes, I would. (laughs) I was there. Not only that, but then they said, you know, along with this ticket, it was something like, it's, if you'd like this, something called, I think it was called a gold package. I didn't know what that meant, but I'll, gold is good. Sure, sign me up. So not only did I get to go to the game with this person, and this person had the connection, it's how I got in. Not only did I get to go there early, before the game, I got to go on the field. And then after that, not because of who I am, but because of who I was with and their connections, I got to go up the tunnel. And you know those people who stand there in the gold coats holding the rope who fangirl as the players come on the field? Ah, That was me. That was me. And you know what? It had nothing to do with me. If I'd have gone back there on my own and said, don't you know who I am? They'd have escorted me out of there as fast as they could. It had nothing to do with me. The The best thing that I could do is go, I'm with him. I got the little name badge on because I'm with him. When it comes to our eternal life, the best thing we can do is go, I'm with him. Because that's where our relationship comes from. That's where our life comes from. Romans chapter 6, verse 8 through 11. It says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Without the resurrection, there's no defeat of death, there's no eternal life. Because of Jesus and his resurrection, we have eternal life. We celebrate the resurrection, we celebrate the life we have because of what Christ has done for us. The Bible says the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. We have that resurrection life in us. Don't just commemorate the day. Don't treat it like a stamp or a coin. Celebrate it. Live the life, live in the power we've been given. Thirdly, we celebrate the hope of his return. 
We celebrate the hope of his return. Now, I've come to realize some things. First of all, people love baby Jesus. They love little fat baby Jesus who probably slept through the night his first night alive and potty trained himself. I mean, they love that idea. That's good stuff. They love little baby Jesus. People can be skeptical of risen Jesus. Not so sure about that whole thing of a coming back from the dead. It sounds a little suspicious. We may love baby Jesus, but we're a little skeptical of risen Jesus. And I'll tell you this, if we're honest about it, there are a lot of people who are scared to death of facing Lord and King, baby Jesus. You see, one day we're going to see him face to face. It may be at our death. It may be when we're six feet under and our spirit is with him. The real us is with him. We're going to stand before him. But the Bible says that he is coming back. He is coming back. If we are celebrating his birth, we recognize his life. If we're celebrating his resurrection, as we've seen, we celebrate our eternal life. And as we follow that course and we follow what the Bible says, it says there's an end coming and we see it playing out just as the Bible says. And it's going to lead to his return. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, there's an angel who shows up to the disciples and he says, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken, who have you seen taken into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. He's going to return. Author, pastor, and seminary president Chuck Swindoll points out, one out of every 30 verses in the Bible mentions the subject of Christ's return. Of the 216 chapters in the New Testament, there are well over 300 references to the return of Christ. 23 of the 27 New Testament books mention the return of Christ. In the Old Testament, such well-known and reliable men of God as Job, Moses, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, as well as most of the minor prophets, mention Christ's return in their writings. Christ often spoke specifically about his own return to earth. He had a game plan, and he made it clear. Swindoll goes on to write, he says, Apostles declared it and wrote about it. The creeds include it and affirm it. Quite obviously, his return has not been considered an insignificant issue through the centuries. But the strange thing is that many Christians in this generation either ignore it or are somehow confused by it. And that's too bad because it's a marvelous truth. We celebrate his resurrection. We celebrate the life that we have in Christ. And we hold on to and celebrate his return. Billy Graham said the entire plan for the future has its key in the resurrection of Christ. I want to give you one more celebration that's not on your outline. And it's for those of us who are still walking this faith out. And it's this. Celebrate the journey. Celebrate the journey. So this past week, Gina, Dominic, my youngest son, and myself uh, got to go to Tucson, Arizona. March, not a bad time to get away. Head to Tucson. I am the only human being on the planet who leaves Wisconsin, goes to Tucson, and catches a cold. So, <laughs> but as we were in Tucson, we went to the Catalina Mountains, or went to uh, the Sonora Desert, I went, and went to the base of the Catalina Mountains, and I, my whole goal was just sightseeing, take some pictures, look around, and I saw a sign, seven-mile hike, into the mountains, and I thought, first, I don't know what I was thinking, that sounds like a good idea. 
So I started on the hike, and it started good, taking pictures of cactus and trees and rocks, selfies with the mountains. Everything was fine. I'm walking, and all of a sudden, it starts getting a little more challenging. The higher I get, the harder it is to breathe. And I start realizing, this isn't Wisconsin. These aren't the mountains I grew up in in Virginia. This isn't the type of heat I was used to when I lived in Florida. I don't know the terrain. I passed a sign at one point on the path that said no household pets allowed beyond this point. There were bobcats, mountain lions in that area. I left the cat at home, good thing. I continue hiking, and I get to the point that I realize I don't even know where I'm going. I pass a group of people coming the other way. I think they've got to have this figured out. They know where they're going. I said, how much further? They said, about halfway. I'm like, awesome, I can do halfway. 25 minutes later, I passed another group of people. How far along am I? You're about halfway. <laughs> I kid you not, 30 minutes later, I passed a group of students coming down. I'm like, hey, guys, how much further? Guess what they said? I about smacked somebody. <laughs> I was getting tired. I didn't know where I was. I'm looking around. I don't know the terrain. And I finally came across someone with a GPS. At this point, I'm wondering if, if this thing even goes anywhere. And I asked this guy, how much further? And he looked at me and he said, with his GPS, he says, you've got one mile to go. And I thought, I can do a mile. And he said, you're going to go around these turns, and you're going to climb this rock. And he gave me the path. I still didn't know everything I had to face, but at least I knew where I was headed. Can I encourage you today to keep hope? You're on a path. You're moving in the right direction. Celebrate the journey. Jesus said he'll be with you. As a matter of fact, the 23rd Psalm says even if you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you won't go through it alone. Stay on the path. Keep trekking. Celebrate it. Celebrate the life you have. Celebrate the victory you have in Jesus. Celebrate the power you have by his resurrection. And I know some of you are thinking it's tough. The air is thin. The struggle is real. I didn't get raised in a Christian home. I don't know all this stuff. I don't know this Bible. I don't have all these Christian friends around me, or if I do, maybe they just don't act like it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Some people are just better at this than me. I get that. I get feeling ill-equipped. I get feeling inept. Maybe you've been there too at some area of life. Going back to the hike, I started out sightseeing. So I had on, as my kids call it, I had on my dad shorts with a half a bottle of tap water in the little side pocket, $19 shoes, and not because they were on sale, they were $19. I had on my bright red University of Wisconsin t-shirt, and off I went. And I'm passing people coming the other way who are in like hiking boots and mountain shorts and sweat-resistant shirts and the little hat with the brim that you can snap up on one side or the other to block the sun and the little backpack full of water with the hose that comes over. So that's all you got to do. And, and it's like ionized water for strength and altitude. And I'm looking, and they got the little hiking poles so they can keep track of everything. And I'm going, what am I doing? And talking about feeling inept, no kidding, I'm halfway up, I'm dying. And passing me the other way comes a woman with a baby on her back. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. I get feeling inept, but guess what? I made it. I made it. I kept hiking. I kept the journey. And I want to encourage you this morning, do not quit. Even in the moment you feel like quitting is right now. Celebrate the moment you're in. 
because you're going to look back one day and you're going to go, look how far I've come. Celebrate it. Celebrate the resurrection. Celebrate the life in Christ. Celebrate that you're going to see him face to face again and continue on that track. Don't quit. Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Don't quit. Celebrate the moments you've made it through. James 1, if you remember from our last series, James 1, 2 through 4, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Until he returns or calls us home, stand, fight, and celebrate. I want to close by reading Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 3. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Would you bow your heads with me, please? The challenge I want to close with today is no matter what person is in your face, no matter what situation is in your face, no matter what challenges in your face, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and celebrate the road we're on. Celebrate his victory. Lord, we thank you for the strength. Not that comes from us. We're weak, we get tired, we're frail. But Lord, the strength we can find in you when we feel like quitting. Lord, I pray for every person in this room today that Easter isn't just about the moment. It's not just about today and the songs. God, but tomorrow morning when we wake up and we go to work or school or we face the kids or the day or the neighbors, whatever it is, we can say, thank you, Lord, for the resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for life. Lord, may we walk in the power and the joy that you have for us. Father, now as we prepare to receive your tithes and our offerings, I pray that we can give generously and not fearfully, not just out of duty, but once again, do it with joy and celebration out of all the things you've blessed us with. In Christ's name we pray.